I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... And I'm Handsome Drew. I sit on the iron throne of Opens. When you play the game of intros, you either win or you die. And this is not... And this is not... And this is not... This is not the podcast you deserve. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Not the Podcast You Deserve. I'm Drew Crawford, joined tonight by Kyle Cox. And we are talking about... House of the Dragon, episode one released just recently on HBO Max, and this is obviously the prequel to the Game of Thrones franchise, which started out so hot, and then just like Icarus flew too close to the sun and then crashed down into a flaming pile of garbage, (laughs) and you might say it was burned by a dragon, I don't know, but in the way of all great franchises, we said, well, there's got to be more money in there somewhere and they were right (laughs) and they found it and just like how we're now getting house of the dragon in a couple weeks we're gonna get another lord of the rings which nobody was asking for but we're still gonna pay to go watch (laughs) i'm belittling it i want to be clear i'm very excited about both of these franchises uh, giving me more content. So. You do the open from now on. This, the open is yeah. now yours always. That was so good. Yes. <laughs> I sit on the iron throne of opens. <laughs> that is definitely making the new intro. <laughs> when you play the game of intros, you either win or you die. <laughs> yeah, so thanks. Uh, as we're here to talk about House of the Dragon, this has been a very exciting time. Uh, has a lot of buzz around the franchise as you might expect. Um, Kyle, before we dive real into it, how big of a Game of Thrones fan were you uh, as far as watching the show, re-watching the show, crying about the end of the show, uh, <laughs> reading any of the books? You know, you, uh, Put us on the spectrum here. I started watching the show to spend time with my then uh, love interest, who I later married, because she was real into it. And I was like, that show looks like it sucks. But I was like, she was like, no, watch an episode with me. So we watched like four or five seasons of Game of Thrones in like two weeks or something like that. Something stupid. Um, I, I remember I bought the DVD box set to be like, hey, like I bought this for us so we can spend time together. And uh, then I got hooked like halfway through the first season, I guess. Um, and... The first season I remember watching live was the one where Jon Snow dies at the end of the season. And I remember being Mm. shook. And I was so angry that I couldn't watch another episode to figure out, like, what happens next. So I remember I called my friend Chris. And I was like, dude, he read all the books. And I was like, dude, the show just ended. Like, Jon Snow just stabbed. Like, I got to know. Like, what? Does he come back? And he was like, Kyle, I don't know. I was like, how do you not know? know? You've read the books. He's like, they haven't come out with the next book yet. And I was furious. Um, yeah. And then I really enjoyed... I, You know, I think the last season of Game of Thrones is not good. But I still think the last season of Game of Thrones, which is the worst one, is better than most seasons of other shows. Um, which is not fair because yeah. it was standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll... Well, on the wings of dragons is actually... The <laughs> As, as Emily says, so my, my wife didn't watch the show 
And I started watching it in college, and then we were also love interests, as you said, which was weird. Uh, <laughs> we were love interests at that time, too. And she would come over sometimes while we were watching, and I'd be like, hey, the show is really fun and great. You should watch it with us. And inevitably, it was always a brothel scene. Oh, she was like, tough. what are you watching? And I was like, all right, oh, they're not all like this. And then like three weeks later, <laughs> and then she would come like back that. by. And it's another brothel scene. She's like, listen, I don't know what you and your roommates are watching, but I don't feel like I should be a part of it. And I, I kept being like, well, listen, babe, I mean, it's HBO. I think they're contractually obligated every like four or five weeks to be like, don't forget, we could put boobs on screen. And then they do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, she didn't really watch the show a lot. And then she did watch the last season, which is bananas to me. Yeah, that tough. she was like, "Oh yeah, I guess I'll watch this with you." And she doesn't mind it. She was like, "Hey, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I actually thought it was pretty good." Everybody else was ready to like throw it to the wolves, uh, and it's because she didn't have the backstory of knowing how great everything else was sure. leading up to it. So when you take it just in a bottle, it's actually not that bad. When you look at how great it was prior to it, it it's a bit of a letdown. I I do remember when uh, Jon Snow stabs Danny uh, in the last episode. I do remember standing up being like, "John, no!" Like screaming because I was such a big um, Daenerys Targaryen fan. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the first season of Game of Thrones, I don't remember. Real, I've not rewatched the whole thing. It seemed like just a bunch of people in rooms talking. And they throw a hundred different characters at you. A hundred different names that all kind of sound like the same name, but they're different. And, like, it's just a lot to process. And I remember getting, like, three or four episodes in, and I was just like, I don't think this show's for me. Because, like, I don't have the bandwidth to remember who's who and who's, who's sibling and why this person family hates that family and why these cousins are banging each other. Like, I, I, I think it was just too much. Uh, but then I grew to just really love the show. What about you? Did you were you a day one watcher? No. So I got introduced to it by one of my roommates in college, and he was like, "Dude, the new season's coming out. You got to binge, you know, and catch up with us." So I did, and I got hooked. And then I have since then read all of the books. Well, listened to all the books. I did them on. Oh, Audible. that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Audible person, so I did all the books. I've done all the prequels. Um, I've done all the side stories that I'm just, you know, waiting for George R. R. Martin to give us more in the in the actual series we've been begging for for mm-hmm. years. And he's like, hey, guys, I've been writing a lot. And we're like, oh, finally. And he's like, here's a different book. And we're like, no, you bastard. Give us the book we want. <laughs> Wait, so did he write prequels to Song of Ice and Fire? Yeah, so uh, oh. there is this, the book that this show is based off of. Oh, uh, this is based on a book. Yes, yes. So I thought House this of the was Dragon, an original. Okay. No, this is based off a book called A Fire and Blood, and it is a history book, basically, of the Targaryens. Oh, no. And it is written like a history book. It is written like a 4,000-level class where you have to go read this history like dissertation, basically. It's written by a maester who was you know compiling all these original source documents and he's like well this source says it happened this way and another source said it happened this way this source seems more reliable blah 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 Uh, so it's kind of a it's kind of a fun way to tell that story especially if you're kind of a history geek and if you like game of thrones you're 
definitely a history geek because <laughs> to your point of what you said earlier, like you have to. they make you memorize all these names and all yeah. these families and why they hate each other and why they bang each other. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's why is this called this and who cares about that battle that happened 400 years ago? And now this show is like, this is why you care about that battle. And I think that that's really fun that they have another source material, completed source material this time, to actually oh, finish. Yeah, okay, that's great. Uh, but oh, so also, do you know how this ends? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. Okay. I don't like this feeling. I mean, supposedly. Sure. I, I guess the show could, you know, take creative rights with it, but yeah, in general. Interesting. And I'm very excited. It's very cool. Okay, cool. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so that... I don't know if I'm the biggest Game of Thrones fan in the world. I know I'm not the biggest one in my house. Um, I really did like it. I really loved it. In fact, um, it made my top ten favorite TV shows of all time in that episode we did. What seems like forever ago now. Um, and it seems you're a big fan as well. You read the books. That's way more effort than I ever put into it. I, I didn't read much about this show. I didn't even watch the trailer when it came out. Because I was like, I just like I don't want to be hurt again. And I remember the eighth, eighth or ninth season of Game of Thrones, whichever one was, just kind of felt like it hurt me. Um, especially not even the end, not even Danny getting stabbed at the end, but the way that they decided who was going to be the king of Westeros. And just the whole, that was such a bad, that was such a bad thing that they did. They just rushed it so much those last two seasons. I hated it. Um, what I love about this show is that. I went in low expectations because, like, I'm going to get hurt again. And it felt like retro Game of Thrones. It felt like that first season of Game of Thrones when you're like, oh, wow. Like, we're taking this slow. We're taking our time. Don't really know what's going on. I know that all the blonde people are probably related. All the brown-headed people are probably related as well. And you just kind of start piecing (laughs) it together kind of from there. Um, And and I love that they don't really hold your hand and walk you through it. Um, so I was, I'm fired up about this show and I'm fired up to talk about it with you. Um, should we start? Oh, the one thing I did read about this show before it came out, um, was an article, uh, where the showrunners promised that the series quote, won't have the gratuitous sex and violence that Game of Thrones was infamous for. I read that and I thought... I think you guys missed why most people tuned into Game of Thrones in the first place. Because I know that's yeah. what kept me coming back was all of the hands getting chopped off and such. Um, but then I was... Then in this first episode, you see p- plenty of gratuitous violence. Uh, so I was like, I think you lied to me. And, and I'm glad sex. you lied to me. And some sex. Um, so let's... Are you cool talking cast first? Yeah, absolutely. I... Didn't know any. I didn't. I knew nothing about the show going in, but as soon as I saw King Viserys Targaryen, I'm going to jack up all these names. Feel free to correct me. Um, okay. I was like, that guy looks so familiar, and it bothered me uh, for a long, long time until I realized he was Detective Andy Wainwright from Hot Fuzz. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I think that might be one of the more. I'm sure he's done other stuff. Uh, his real name is Patty Considine. Um, yep. I think he's really good in this show. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff they do uh, character-wise with him is great, too, which we should talk about that at some point. Um, I thought he was phenomenal. The Matt Smith guy, um, who uh, he apparently, like, everybody knows him except for me. I'd never watched Doctor Who. 
Um, yeah, he's, he was... he's one of the doctors. Dr. Ted, I think. Okay. Yeah, you lost me on that one. I, I've never watched Doctor Who before. Also of Morpheus. Morpheus. Also of Morbius fame. Um, or Infamy. Or Infamy, yes. Uh, but he's my a really par- good actor. Yeah, my favorite part about... Uh, I saw... Man, it might have been Ryan Airy even pointing this out about him in Morbius is that Morbius looks like Matt Smith realized he's in a terrible movie. And so he just was like, you know what? F it. I'm going to be insane with this character and just had so much fun with it. He's oh, like, really? nobody's going to. Yeah. No one will uh, watch this. <laughs> we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, the, the girl who plays. I'm mm, going to mess this one up. Princess Raina? Rain, Rain, Rainia? Rhaenyra. Thank you. Perfect. Uh, I thought she was really good. Um, yep. And, and I, like, I'm very intrigued to see where that goes with her. And then that's uh, Reese if, Ifans. I, I can't say Rise, yeah. name. Rise Ifans, maybe? Mm-hmm. Dr. Kirk Connors. Um, he's in Game of Thrones now. I'm for it. He's also... He's also the kicker in the replacements. He's the kicker in the replacements. Oh my gosh! It all comes back to the replacements. It always. He's does. also uh, Luna Lovegood's dad in Harry Potter. He sure is a backstabbing son of a gun. Um, so I and I I really loved his dynamic with uh, both the king and with Prince Damon. Um, I think that they're setting that up to be a really cool battle where he. I think he's gonna be like the. Littlefinger of the series, um, where he's going to be kind of plotting those two against each other, and I think he's going to die super hard. But it's going to be like six seasons after you think he deserved it, just like with Littlefinger. Um, so I, I, I think that they they cast this so well. Um, yeah, one episode in, I'm I'm fired up for him because I I just think that uh, I think they're all very captivating, and they do little little tiny stuff. That kind of lets you know, like, uh-oh, I think you might actually be a bad guy. And Damon does some stuff where you're like, hang on, are you kind of a good guy? When, like, I was pretty pretty sure you were going to be a bad guy. Um, which I think is the great thing about, uh, is it George R.R. R. Martin? Is that his name? Yes. Or I can get him confused with a Tolkien guy. I sort of think the great things that Game of Thrones and George R.R. R. Martin do is, like, no one is, like, full good and not many are full bad. Um, you get some that are straight bad and there's not a lot of redeeming quality there. Um, but not most of them. Like Joffrey, I think, is the only one that you're like, that guy sucks and has no redeeming yeah. value whatsoever. Um, and uh, the Boltons. Ooh, the Boltons. I forgot about them. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody else is like, kind of like, man, I kind of get it. I get why you're a crazy mom who kills a bunch of people. And I get why you're a crazy woman riding a dragon that wants to burn everybody down. Like, I kind of see where you're coming from here. Um and I get why you're a reclusive people that want to stay up north and not deal with the BS going on down here. Like, uh, So I think that was what was probably the best part about Game of Thrones uh, was just the tension that builds because you're not really sure who can trust at any point in time. But also the best part about Game of Thrones was you weren't sure anybody was going to make it out of the episode. Like there was yeah. not one person you're like, oh, you'll see the end of this season for sure. Um, as soon as they killed off Sean Bean. Yeah, as soon as they killed off Sean Bean, it was like, uh-oh, anybody's fair game here. And then they killed Rob Stark pretty quickly after that. It was like, oh no, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, so I think I kind of had that vibe again in this first episode. I was like, oh no, like I'm already seeing how these people are going to like not like each other. 
And if I know anything about Game of Thrones, they're not afraid to kill people, even yeah. the highly touted actors. Like, the highly touted actors are the ones that are more than likely going to be the ones that get killed uh, if we know anything from the, the last series. So I, I really thought they did a great job with that cast. Um, and I think they all kind of got little bits of pieces, like a little scene here and there that kind of gave you a little, like, a little tidbit, like a little breadcrumb of, like, there's more to unpack here, and I'm fired up to see where they go with it. No, I agree. I thought they did a really good job with the casting so far. Um, they're, from everything that I've seen from the type of cast they have here and the trailers, it looks like this is going to be some time jumps. I don't know if it's going to be non-linear. Yeah. Uh, they'll, like, flash back and forth. Or if it's going to be just like, hey, one, they're going to flash forward 10 years and then we're just going to have a new story from there. Um, but there is room for new casting, so I'll be interested to see how these characters develop um, as they get different actors to play them. So uh, I what, really liked all, all the casting in the first episode, but I'm interested to see it going forward. The, so the first thing that pops up on IMDb when you, when you pull this, this show up... Um, is uh, Patty Considine as King Viserys Targaryen, Emma D'Arcy as Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen, I misstated her name again. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, like, that's not the girl who played the princess in the first episode. And I yeah. think she was doing the voiceover uh, as the princess. And then you yeah. go and you find Millie Alcock and she's young Princess Targaryen. And so, like, I don't know what we're about to get into if there's just going to be a voiceover chick or if they're going to do a non-linear storytelling like you were talking about. Either way, I'm fired up for it. Um, sure. I would be less fired up about just the girl getting a voiceover and how she got top billing over the girl who's actually doing all of the acting. Yeah. That would seem weird. So I think we can safely say there's probably going to be some non-linear storytelling, yeah. which I'm always for. Well, I was going to say, before we move on, you mm -hmm. mentioned it earlier about how this first episode felt kind of like the original season, where just people in a room talking. Um, and I was also glad to get that vibe, especially here at the beginning. I don't know that it will continue throughout, just because of uh, there's a lot of big battles and stuff that happen in this book and in this Ooh, story, okay. as you might imagine. Uh, so the, target, the beginning of the book, by the way, this first episode happens about a third of the way through the book. At the Great Council. Oh, okay. Yeah, it like the book originally starts with the Targaryens like taking over Westeros. Um, they like get there and then they like fight everybody and make them bend the knee and all the stuff. Okay. So, and now this starts with the Great Council where they pick an heir, and which is a bunch of people in a room talking. So sure. I was glad that they picked that moment actually because it is the most similar to season one. Of yeah. Everything's kind of at peace. Everything's good. We don't have to do all these big battles. Everybody's bent the knee. We're, we're doing well here. Now the decision and the crux is there's no longer an heir. So it's all political intrigue again. Uh, there's nobody to fight except each other kind of on small levels. So we're back in that. Now it leads to bigger battles later on. This whole thing is called the Dance of the Dragons. Uh, oh, so man. as you might imagine, Dance of Dragons is not going to be a non-violent dance. So, <laughs> like the salsa, it's a, different. It's a very contact sport, and <laughs> <laughs> so I was glad that they chose the first episode at least to kind of root it in that talking. And now there's still blood and violence, 
and some gore. You know, you get the battle scene uh, with the tournament, and then juxtaposed with the even more graphic carnage of the birth scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about that later, too. Yeah, so um, the long story short was that I was glad to see that they picked a, a point in this book that was more reminiscent of the first season, which is people just around talking sure. uh, and making you learn to like those characters beyond just like big fight, big fight, big fight. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I want to talk to you about a couple character moments, and then I want to talk to you about that the, the C-section scene. Which will haunt my nightmares forever. Um, <laughs> I maybe one of my favorite battle scenes that Game of Thrones franchise has put out. Maybe aside from Battle of the Bastards, and maybe aside from the one where Arya kills the Night Walker, um, when they put that jousting tournament intercut with the wife giving birth. Freaking so well done. Um, first off, jousting in this TV show was nothing like jousting in a Knight's Tale. And I want answers. I want to know which... Because they were going at breakneck speed. Break the lance. Get over. Grab it. You're hauling down again. This seems way more violent than A Knight's Tale did, for sure. And then when you get knocked off the horse, you can just demand to be fought in hand-to-hand combat. Like, yeah, count me in for this. I would like a, I would like a separate spinoff series of just jousting tournaments. I'm all for it. Um, they, they have that. It's called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. That's uh, another book. And it's a, a hedge knight, and he does a lot of jousting tournaments. What is a hedge knight? Never mind. We don't have time. All right. Um, hey, uh, but also, I will say, medieval times did not prepare me for the violence of jousting. <laughs> if you're unaware, listener at home, medieval times is a themed kind of dinner restaurant you can go to and enjoy you know, chicken legs and goblets of ale, I assume. And you watch fake knights joust each other in a in a ring, and it was nothing like this. Yeah, it's so brutal, man. It is so brutal, and uh, especially and it was very reminiscent to uh, oh crud Pedro Pascal's character um, when he fights the giant yeah, the or whatever the mountain the viper. Yeah, yeah, fights the mountain I think, and he yeah. knocks him down, and he's like talking all grandiose because he thinks he's won, and then he gets hit in the back and. His eyes mm-hmm. get poked out or whatever. Um, or his brain gets crushed. I can't remember now. Yeah. Not a good thing. Not um, a good way to die either way. Same kind of thing yeah, happens to Damon in this episode. Well, I liked what the director said at the end. I don't know if you stick around after the credits oh, and watch yeah. the people talk. And he talked about how they thought that this was a fun way to describe people that still have this pent-up aggression and rage. And they're just playing at war. Because they've never actually... Yeah. It's been such a time of peace for a while that sure. they haven't been to war. And I, I don't know. I'd like to imagine that if this was a war time and they still had a joust, it'd probably be much more respectful because it's like, hey, guys, we can't kill each other because we're going to have to go kill somebody else here. Sure. And that's way more violent than this like fake sport we're doing. But the, the way they intercut that with the birth scene, um, man, that was so tense. And like as tense as the action was... I the birth scene still made me like cringe way harder and, and when um they they end up having to do the c-section emergency c-section to save the baby and uh in which in those times not that this is a real time period 
I guess it's based on medieval. I don't know. Uh, that was pretty much certain death for the for the mom. Uh, and when they like just cut her open and you see like the hand go inside, I was like, "There's got to be a better way. Like there has to be a better way. We have to know something other than this." And like I get to the point where like I had to like turn away. Like I covered my eyes. I was like I cannot handle this anymore. I thought that was a really great juxtaposition of the men fake fighting on their fake battlefield and the women on her. Ba- she called it her battlefield. She said, "This is our battlefield." Yeah. Um, so it was the battle going on in both realms. Um, gosh, and so heartbreaking when uh, when the guy is holding. He's like, "Congratulations, it's a boy." And then you see him kind of like look down, kind of concerned, like kind of shake the kid a little bit, which I was told very clearly you're not supposed to do by all the doctors when my child was born. Do not shake the baby. They say that to you like ten times, and this guy yeah. just kind of like shakes it real hard. And you're don't, like, uh oh, don't shake your baby. The more you know, the more you not know. the podcast you deserve cares. Um, I yeah, and I think King Viserys does a really good job of making you feel the weight of the decision he's making because he doesn't yeah. do it lightly. No. Right? He's basically either told they can both die or just she can die. Yeah, and God, I can't imagine as a dad being in that situation. I mean, trying to gear yourself up to make a decision either way and he does a great job of making you feel that yeah. pain because um, even in that moment of hey congratulations it's a boy there's like little to no relief on his face and I, I thought there was a great reveal because they kind of cut straight from that to the funeral pyre if I remember correctly and you see the, the wife's the wife's body wrapped up getting ready to be burned and then it just kind of slowly pans down to the little child body. And I was like, no, <laughs> I was so yeah. sad. I was so sad. I don't think they were, I think that was the reveal, right? Or did I just miss it? No, that was the reveal. Because oh. they kind of hint at something. They say, congratulations, it's a boy. And then you hear the cough. But then you you see them uh, come to the uh, balcony where all the royalty is sitting. And they're like whispering. And you yeah. can tell that there's news traveling. And they get up and leave. But that could also be to like, hey, the son is born, like, let's all go pay respects or something. Or like, the queen is dead, we all need to like, go do something about that. Uh, They they leave you hanging that, hey, could also be the the kid, and then the final shot reveals Mm. that. Golly, that was tough. Uh, That's one of my favorite Game of Thrones span of 10 minutes, was that, the, the birthing scene and the jousting scene. I thought that was awesome. Uh, really, really well done. Um, better than anything season nine gave us of Game of Thrones. Or is it eight? Which one was last season? Was it eight? Eight. Eight, okay. Um, and then, uh, and then F- King of the Series follows that up with his scene with Matt Dillon. Or, yeah, Matt Dillon? No, no, no. Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Damon. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a man who's broken and hears that his brother oh, yeah. disrespected his his kid his dead mm-hmm. kid and and therefore his wife and therefore also the decision he made and like everything that and you could just feel the weight of fury behind the one sentence of did you say it yeah like the ugh. air for a day or an hour or something um yeah so that brings me to a great point because i think they gave all of the main characters like one or two scenes that kind of gives you a hint as to where they're going whereas like i think most like whatever shows just kind of like hey here's a story we're telling it and you know then there you go 
shows like Better Call Saul and Game of Thrones and now House of the Dragons will do stuff where they give you little bits and pieces of a character to create character development, but it's not enough for you to see where it's going yet. Um, yeah. With with the Damon character, um, he is getting his behind kicked in this fake jousting tournament as the and he is like currently he's like the heir to the throne as he's getting his butt kicked the new heir to the throne the rightful heir to the throne is being born and i thought that was a really cool moment of like oh this dude's screwed uh like he's he's losing from both ends here and i thought that was really cool and then they gave him i think maybe just in my head i was like oh this is the jamie lannister character who's gonna be kind of good and kind of bad and you kind of root for him you kind of don't i don't know it's the blonde hair i guess um and but then at the funeral scene they give you that moment where he goes up to the princess and says your dad needs you like you have to step up for him and so you're like oh okay so you're kind of thoughtful and then he gets her like a necklace at the beginning and so you're kind of like so is this guy total a-hole or is he like kind of a good guy um i think they kind of give you little bits to be like this is going to be a complex character and uh, it ends with him being super pissed which um you know all for it um for the king, um, you get the sense that he's like a super big people pleaser uh, because he doesn't like ever pick a side when they're in those meetings, and he's he's always just kind of trying to make everybody happy. When his when his family dies, he now he gets pissed. Um, but it ends with him sitting on the Iron Throne and getting a cut from yeah. the throne on his hand, and I think that was a nice little symbolism, like a nice little nod of like this dude's in trouble. <laughs> like this is not going to end super well for you. Um, you, you got to see kind of his lighter side and you also get to see a darker side but I think that was kind of like this guy's not cut out to rule for what's coming and I, I don't know what's coming you know what's coming and that bothers me that you know it and I don't I just thought that was a really good character moment for him and to kind of give you like a thought um, how do you say his name? Reese Ifans? Dr. Yeah, Kurt, Rise. Curtis Connors? Rise Ifans? sure um they give you that's where he's. They introduce him as the hand of the king. So it's like yeah, the king's Otto most Hightower. trusted advisor. Like great, he. This is the guy that you know we're going to go to bat with, and immediately he like tries to pit the Damon against um, the king, um, and then total a hole. It went as soon as the queen dies, he sends his like twelve year old daughter to the king's room. It was like. Wear something nice that your mom used to wear. It's like, okay, dude, time out. Hang on. So this dude is definitely nefarious. They, he's like the one character that I didn't see any redeeming value in uh, to the, in the first episode. Am I wrong there? Well, no, I think that it's... I was going to point out that same scene with him and his daughter of... Every other time he's talking, it seems like he is battling the king for, hey, it's the good of the realm. Right, like you're protecting your brother because he's your brother, and you like him, and you know that it's not good, and you have that sense at the beginning of like, oh, this guy actually has his head on right. He actually Mm -hmm. has, you know, the best intention of the people. He's, you know, not just playing favorites, and he's not just, you know, out here for power. He is actually trying to make the kingdom better, and then it's immediately in a private moment where he's like, "Uh, I'm gonna prostitute out my daughter here to try to curry some favor see if i can like position my family closer to the king and like you know i thought that was just to produce a male heir yeah um and it's like dang that is 
nefarious. Yeah, not cool. Um, oh, that brings. Uh, I thought another great character moment um, was Matt Smith's character uh, when he got to decide who he was going to fight, and he chose that guy's son. And then after he beat that guy's son, he goes to that guy's daughter and is like, I request your favor. And he's just like yeah. totally sticking it to him, just trying to be an a-hole, which part of me like really appreciates. Like I totally would have done that. <laughs> well, and also didn't just like beat him, clearly cheated by like throwing oh, the yeah. joust down in front of the horse. What are the rules and, like, to jousting? Because I'm all confused now. I didn't know, but, I didn't like, know what you can and can't do. That, that clearly could have broken that horse's legs, killed the horse, could have killed him. Sure. Like, we're not just out here playing hard at the sport. He has no problem with just maiming another person for fun, as also witnessed by his scene where he rounds up all the people with oh, the gold yeah. cloaks. Mm-hmm. And which I also liked that they dropped that in early as a look how good this guy is at inspiring an army. And it's a it's a mm-hmm. small okay. moment with yeah. like two hundred people. Okay, but yeah. you could tell that those dudes we were jacked up to go to war for him. Yeah, and didn't That's matter what he asked them to do; they were gonna do it. And we're now getting into a civil war with the Targaryens, and they've already established him as a viable military leader. Oh, are you? Is it about to be him versus the princess? Is that the civil war? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm already sad because uh, I really liked the princess. I can't say I can't say Reina, Renera. God, that's why are these names so hard? Um, Renera. I thought she did a great job. Whether she's recast to be an older woman in the next episode, I don't know. Um, but they gave her that moment when she was with the Hand's daughter, and they were just kind of chilling in a field. And it's like she was kind of witty. She's sassy. Like she's her own person, um, which I think a lot of times. Like, you think of Sansa from the first season of Game of Thrones, how she was very like, I'll do what anyone tells me to do. I am a wallflower. Yeah. I will not make a, I will not step out of line. I thought that was really cool. They gave her like, no, this chick's got personality. Um, like, she, she's feisty. And like, it reminds you very much of Daenerys Targaryen, um, who also was kind of a wallflower for that first three or four episodes of season one of Game of Thrones. Yeah, so it's the good mix between, you bring up Sansa, it's the good mix between the Stark sisters of, like, she knows how to behave in court, and she mm. knows how, she knows how all the histories, she can recite them, and she, you know, uh, knows how to take care of her mom, and she knows how to, like, serve, you know, wine at the table, and kind of be around and do everything properly, but she also is very witty, funny, rebellious, you know, charismatic, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she picks up a sword in the next episode or something like that, just to sh- show. And you know, she rides dragons, yeah, uh, and is like fearless. And it's like, okay, they established her as as the best of both worlds, kind of, and did that very quickly. Okay, so like, what do I need to be prepared for for this show? Since you know, since you know this, I'm so nervous. What do I need to be prepared for? Uh. Uh, let me give you my theory. You don't have to say anything. Okay. You don't have to say yeah, it's right or wrong. Fine. My theory is Matt Smith's character, Damon. Like, anybody who names their kid Damon or Damien, like, you're just at, like, any character named that, like, ever like since. Matt Damon. Ugh, yeah, the worst. Uh, like, you're just <laughs> asking for, like, this guy's a bad guy, you know? Anyways, so yeah. Damon goes off and he takes a dragon with him, if I remember correctly. And he's going to go off. The biggest one ever. The biggest one ever. 
And he's going to... Well, yeah. Since the... <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, since Viserys. They're all named Viserys. Well, yeah. Since, they, since the fall of Valeria. Valeria. It, it's fine. Uh, no, the, the, or the dragon's name is uh, Caraxes. Doesn't sound right. Anyways, he takes a dragon. He flies off. He's going to get the Golden Cloak army. And he's going to round up some other people. But I don't see him fighting Princess Rhaenyra. So something bad's going to happen to her. And she's going to be overthrown by the older chick, the cousin or whatever, the sister of the king. I don't know. Never mind. I, I didn't think this theory through. I don't want them to fight. I really liked both of those characters. I'd like for them not to fight so soon. Um, that might be wishful thinking. So I just want you to know, this time period is called the Dance of the Dragons. Yeah. And it is a civil war between the Targaryens in general. Now, I'm not telling you how many sides there are. Oh boy. Okay, so I'm not ready for this. Um, there, I... There is going to be a good mixture of political intrigue and alliances and betrayals and also mixed with like cool battle scenes like battle of the bastards type stuff with full okay. armies and then just i really hope there's some really cool dragon fights because down for dragon there, fights. there there should be and yeah. i'm glad that we're getting this now uh, as opposed to when the first season of game of thrones came out sure yeah there's no way they could have done dragon fight scenes well uh, yeah yeah if it, it might just have been me, but the opening scene when um, Princess Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra is flying the dragon through the city, it reminded me a lot of Daenerys flying the dragon through the city and burning it all down. I don't know if it was uh-huh. shot for shot or not, but there's definitely a couple shots that were very similar. They definitely do a couple of those, like, I'm down on the mm-hmm. ground looking yeah. up at the building, yeah. and that's what they did like when um, Arya was like running through the city. And oh, like okay. making it yep. feel more terrifying. They were mm-hmm. doing shots like that. Uh, but I did laugh to myself in that opening scene when the dragon's flying overhead and nobody looks up. Yeah, they're just like, oh, Everybody else is just walking around mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. It's like if we saw a plane in the sky, yeah. you'd be like, oh, all right, just going about my day today. Right. That's funny. That's a good do, point. Do, 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 do. Got to buy some bread. Where's the street of silk? <laughs> um, oh, I thought a really, I thought the ending of this pilot episode was really great. Um, uh, the king making his daughter his heir, which he probably should have done a while ago, um, and explaining that there is a big war coming between the north and the or the long winter. I don't think he says White Walkers. I don't think that's a thing. No, he doesn't say White Walkers, but he he touches his dagger of Valerian steel, mm-hmm. and he mentions. Uh, like a winter, yep. The like the long winter, and that a Targaryen has the, to. And he mentions the Song of Fire and Ice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. And then you get the there's a Stark presence nice at the meeting, um, at the yeah. at the coronation or whatever, whatever you call naming an heir. Um, uh-huh. There's a so I, lots of cool moments. I was like, oh, I get that reference, and then. Uh, and some really great action scenes, some really great storytelling. Um, I, I know there are people that were finding the Easter eggs more than I was because those people are awesome and I respect. But I was trying to pause like live to look for mm-hmm. a couple things. Like when they line up all the fighters for the joust, I was trying to 
freeze on oh. all of the uh, crests. Sure. Like there was a there was a bolt in there. Uh, there was the flame okay. man and stuff like that, and there was the high tower and things. Like that. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Like where are we the at? The veil was mentioned once. Oh, that's another thing. Like Damon sits down at this meeting. He's like, oh, we're gonna talk about you know how we're gonna make Westeros better. And the first thing the hand does is like, you haven't seen your wife. You've neglected your wife. It's like, bro, chill. Like, what? <laughs> relax <laughs> it'll be okay like what a total d move i didn't like that. i don't like that guy at all i don't like yeah. that guy one bit well and he damon referenced it as well he's like you've always been trying to get rid of me right like you've moved me around to these different positions yeah you tried to marry me off to the veil like, oh that's the veil. That's, yes. so i think that's what he was hinting at was like hey you shouldn't be here you should be at home in the oh, veil with your wife so he's trying to remove like, him from westeros i missed that yeah like like get out of here dude like you need to go see somebody else interesting okay so like it's not often that i'm th- the dumbest person in the room and uh since this room consists of you and me and we're talking about game of thrones um yeah i'm the dumbest person in the room and i really hate that i do not like this feeling uh, between now and Sunday night, when the next episode drops, I'm going to have read all of the books and watched all of the series two to three times over so that I will come back and be able to say Princess... Renera. Renera's name correctly on the first try. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Man, uh, I do this a couple times, and so I'll I'll do it again, but this is definitely one of those shows that I'm hoping is as good as the book. I'll be okay if they change a few things. Um, you know, take artistic license. Some things are going to not transfer to the screen as well. But they've shown they can do it, especially with the books of Game of Thrones that were written. They made excellent seasons out of it. So I have really high hopes for this because they have great source material. And I would recommend... To anybody that's interested in Game of Thrones, if you haven't read it yet, you should read A History of Fire and Blood. Um, it is very, very good. Um, it, or it might be Blood and Fire. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, it's very good, and I think you will enjoy it. And I'm probably going to re-listen to it uh, as the season goes on. For, for all of the dumb people, me, in the room, uh, how much content is... How many seasons can they make out of this? Is this going to be like a one season, like a 10 episodes and done? Or is there like lots to go through here? Oh, there's lots. There's lots. And especially if they choose to do some non-linear storytelling, okay. uh, they could they could jump back and tell some really cool stories. They could jump forward and tell some cool stories. I'm kind of hoping that the season theme they do becomes more of like one-off seasons inside of this giant scope. This whole thing covers, like, multiple hundreds of years of time. So, you know, they're going to focus on a small segment right here. You know, probably, like, 40 years or something like that. So, there's a lot of other source material. Now, if they go straight from here, they're they're cutting it about in half. There's, like, a hundred and so odd years that they have beforehand. Like, 130 years or something like that that they can also use, uh, which tells some cool stories. So... Uh, I could see this story being one season or maybe two and then them being like hey and also season three jumps backwards interesting uh, and and tells some other stuff and I think that could be cool I'm fired up man there's a lot of good content out there there's a lot of good content dropping every week and I'm excited to talk to you about it should we do this every week should we do a reaction pod every week 
We don't even have to talk about it. We can just talk about stuff we like. I'm down. Okay, cool. Uh, you, the listener, if you two are down, uh, feel free to let us know at ntpodpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at ntpodpodcast. Thank you for listening. These are not the dragons you deserve. <laughs>